Good evening, everybody, and welcome. And if you're wondering that the pews are not packed this evening, um, if you were here at 4 o'clock, they were actually swinging out of the rafters. <laughs> so it's sort of nice to see a, a, small, a, small, a smaller crowd. Anyway, it goes something like this. So it was a Wednesday evening two weeks ago, and I was sort of at a loose end. So I decided San Pedro Center, which is a spiritual life center about 15 minutes from here, they were having some kind of a, a pageant that evening, so I decided that I'd, I'd just wait and see what was going on. Anyway, I went out, and I was surprised there were so many people there. It was packed. And um, I finally found, found my way to, uh, to the live nativity scene. But even the live nativity scene was uh, a lot of people in front of me, so I couldn't really hear or see what was going on. So I sort of scooted around to the, to the side and, uh, in order to get a better view and as I did so, I just almost walked right into an enclosure with a large, big camel inside. <laughs> My last encounter with the camel was in, in uh, Judea, in Israel, about, about 35 years ago. I was going to try and ride him, but, but it, he spit on me, okay? <laughs> So I made up my mind there at that point in time that I would never like a camel. But nevertheless, I tried to engage the camel. I wanted to sort of reach up and touch him, and he just kept going around in a circle. And then for a couple of moments, I got, I got sort of waylaid by somebody else. And all of a sudden, there is a guy standing beside me, and he's reaching up and he's tickling, he's tickling uh, the, the, uh, the camel's chin, okay? And he didn't introduce himself. I didn't introduce myself either. I certainly wasn't dressed in, in clerics. And eventually I said to him, how old is that old, old camel? Oh, he said, that's a young camel. It's only about, it's only about a year and a half old. And I says, he looked to me like he was about 15 years of age. He was near the end of his life. No, he says, camels actually lived, lived to, to be about 40 years of age. And then he went on to say, you know, for the camel, you know, he's here, but the camel's true, true home is uh, in the desert. And he went from there to describe the different... Um, uh, the different uh, pieces of the camel, uh, he started with, with his feet, and he says, he says, God, he says, made a camel's a hoof in such a way that it's large and it's a sort of spongy, and it ensures that the camel can really run fast in, in the desert. Then he went from there to the camel's ears, and he says, notice, he says, his ears are very, very small which indeed they are, very, very small ears. He says, God made the ears in such a way, he says, that they're small. But he says, if you're able to look into the ear, uh, it's full of hairs. And the reason it's full of hairs is to uh, keep, the sand, keep the sand out of his ears. Then he went from there to the camel's eyes. And he says, notice he says, they have several, they have several eyelids sort of one almost on top of the other. And he says, again, for the same reason, 
when a camel is traveling, he says, uh, when the wind is blowing, he wants to keep the wind out of his eyes. And then he mentioned, what, what a, he referred to it as the undercarriage of the camel, that is sort of beneath, beneath his chest and his belly, uh, there's a sort of a whole mound there of stuff. He says, that's so that when a, cam when a camel lies down, uh, uh, the sand is not going to burn, burn his belly. And he went on to several other parts of the camel, and on each occasion, on each occasion, he says, God made the camel in such and such a way. It was almost as if, you know, uh, he, was, he was preaching to me, and uh, I should have been preaching to him, but it was the other way around, okay? <laughs> but uh, the, the bottom line is, um, eventually, I said, I have to get out of here, because otherwise he's going to go on all after, afternoon. But I, 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 I think that I, I developed a new appreciation and a new love for that ugly, ugly what I would cons consider an ugly, an ugly looking beast. <laughs> so since that time, and that's about two weeks ago, many times the, the conversation between me and he uh, has come into my mind about, about the camel. And uh, it, it sort of forced me not just to think about the camel, and like what he said, the camel's true home is in the desert. But then it struck me that, you know, our, our true home is in heaven. And the question is, do we really believe that? Do I believe that I'm destined for eternal life? And if indeed I am, how much thought do I give that? And to what extent do I, I, do I attempt to live my life accordingly? as if that I'm, 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 you know, I'm preparing for something that's very, very unique and very special in my life. I suppose maybe a more fundamental question is to say is how important, how important is my faith to me? To what extent do I truly believe in Jesus Christ? Do I believe that he is indeed, he is indeed the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life? The problem with our faith is that unless we really reflect upon it, unless we really reflect upon it, we really never come to grips with it. And sometimes that's the danger. We just sort of, a, we sort of believe it up here in our head. But our faith is not, a, it's not just a head trip. It's, it's, really, it's really a heart trip. And unless you, 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 you make the effort to, to sort of reflect upon it, and allow it to sort of drip into your heart, you'll never, I think you'll never really come to grips with it. See, I think a good example of that, a good place to begin is in relationship to, in relationship to the feast we celebrate here this weekend, the feast of the nativity. Now, I'm the, I'm the youngest in my family, there were only three of us anyway, and I grew up in a place where there were never too many kids, okay? We're, it was out in the country, sort of away from everybody. But suddenly as I've gotten older, I've gotten more of an appreciation of children and their, their, their vitality. And uh, also, I think, more recently, uh, I've, I've had a, so many experiences of, of families that are going to, women, ladies who are, going to, who are expecting babies. And it is such an exciting event 
in the life of a family, to have a child, something I've never experienced and never will experience. But just to, to observe that and to observe the excitement of a new baby coming, coming into a home. Think about that this evening and think about it in relationship to the feast we celebrate here this evening. How much thought have I given to, uh, to, to the birth of Jesus Christ? The fact that, this, that God decided to come down from heaven, to come down from heaven and to be incarnate in, in, a, young, in a young lady. It's a mind-blowing, it's a mind-blowing experience when, when you really think about it. It is so, it is almost that God, the creator, would do that. There's one little word in the, in the preface of, of the Mass this evening that says, it talks about the wonder, about the wonder of the incarnation. It is such an unbelievable reality that God, the creator, came among us as a small child. And then you follow that story along, and, and this evening in, in the gospel reading, you find that the parents, the parents have to go to Jerusalem in, or into, to Bethlehem in order to be enrolled. Mary, I mean, ready, ready to pop almost. And, and all of a sudden, they have to go 50 miles, 50 miles to Bethlehem. And you think, what kind of a journey must that have been? What must it be like for Mary, for Mary, knowing that she's going to have a baby, that made no arrangements in the local hotel, okay? No arrangements made. And Joseph, on the other hand, still sort of wondering, how did I get involved? How did I get involved in, in this mess, okay? So, I mean, it's easy to just sort of brush over those stories and not really, not really pay attention to what it's really saying, okay? And what it's saying is that God loves us so much. God loves us so much that he, he sent his son into our lives so that eventually, uh, with his help, we're going to get to heaven. That's ultimately, that's ultimately what, it's, what it's all about. But unless we, as I say, ponder that story, we never really, we never really come to grips with it fully. That, you know, here's, here's Mary and Joseph bringing this child, bringing this child into, 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 into the world and finding they have no place, they have no place, there's no hotel room. So they end up in a stable. How many of you have had a, well, you don't, no, we'll not have a show of hands. How many of you, I was going to say, you know, have ever mucked out a stable? I've done it a million, a million, a million times. And it is not a pleasant experience. The worst one of all is chickens and hens, okay? They leave a lot, leave a lot behind them. And so the bottom line is to just accept, to believe that our creator spent his early days in a stable. How crazy, how crazy a notion is that? And did we really give it any thought this evening ourselves? Or is it just another thing that just sort of we brush off? We say, oh, nice, nice event, but we don't pay any attention to it. So God loves us so much that he was born in a stable for you and for me. I say all of that to you here this evening because it's so important that we get a grasp on our faith 
that, that we take it seriously. There's a, little, there's a little statement that's been used over the years, not in relationship to our faith, but in relationship to historic events. It says, uh, evil prevails when good men do nothing. So in other words, when we don't, uh, in other words, when we don't uh, get involved in whatever it is we're doing, then bad, bad, bad things happen. And you know, the interesting thing today is if, if you follow any st statistics with regard to our faith over the last probably four or five years, the bottom line is that our religion, the Catholic religion, Christianity, is on the decline. The number of people who've walked away from it, number one, and the number of people who sort of half practice it, and nothing more than that. Okay, and that's so, in other words, instead of, instead of growing, we might be growing in numbers, but in terms of commitment, the numbers are, are actually going down. And I think it's a reminder to us, to all of us, that we need to take our faith very, very seriously. And, um, you know, along those lines, you know, in the olden days, you know, with the yard to what we call evangelization, spreading the faith. It was the job of priests and nuns, okay? They were the ones who did it. Lay people were meant to or were told to sit back and pay, pray, and obey, okay? You don't necessarily have to do anything, let other people do it. But I think we're in a different world today. And I think all of us, all of us, if our faith is important in our lives, and if getting to heaven is important in our lives, then it is so important that we share that message with other people to the very best of our ability. And, and sometimes if we're living it ourselves without ever saying anything, then really living it, then it is truly contagious as far as other people are concerned. So I'll finish, but I'll just finish with a little quotation from the gospel, the words of Jesus, where, where he says, the gift that you have received, give as a gift. The gift you have received, give as a gift. The gift we have received is the gift of our faith. And what Jesus is really saying is, what he's saying to us is, if, if I really buy into that gift, then I have a responsibility to share it with others and help to build up the kingdom of God on earth. Amen.